All right, welcome back to the Iron Man Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. And today, we are going to be talking about Amazon's hit original series, The Boys. Uh, this show is actually fucking amazing. I don't even like superhero things like that unless it's My Hero Academia. But somehow, some way, I've been drawn into this show as millions of others have, and I think it's fantastic. It's a very, very dark but realistic take on the superhero genre, which is probably why I appreciate it so much, because every time I see a Marvel movie, honestly, I just... I don't know. I'm not a real big fan of most Marvel movies. I think that they're pretty much comedies that a lot of the jokes are not really for me. I think that they're definitely catered towards children. And this show is 100% not. So this, you mean you mean love sausage ain't for the kids? No, this show. This show speaks love to me on a lot of levels, though. I think that if Superman was actually real. There's no way he wouldn't be a bit evil because, you know how they say, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I'm a firm believer in that. I think that somebody that strong, being the strongest person on the entire planet, there's no world where you're just going to be all good. And I think... In- yeah, what did... Billy Butcher said, like, with great power comes a great propensity to be a cunt. Like, he said yeah. something like that. That's a, that's a direct great. quote, I feel like, because that's how Billy Butcher speaks. Uh, so this this podcast episode is going to mainly focus on season three. However, it would be an injustice for us to not give some backstory on seasons one and two. And I think I was thinking about this down the line. Maybe we can go back and do like a full season one and season two podcast episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like to kind of speed through what has happened so far before we get to season three. So the premise of the show starts off season one. The main character, Huey. He's a regular human, of course, so they always have to show us everything from the eyes of a regular person, which we are watching. Uh, He has a girlfriend named Robin. They're talking about their future together. They're planning out what their life is going to be like. And while he is literally holding her hands, the Flash, a.k.a. the boys version of him, A-Train, crashes into her. Now, this is something that has never been seen before, at least for me, because I don't read American comics. I don't know anything about what the Flash has actually done. But he crashes into a person going at full speed. And she explodes instantly. What's funny is crashes into almost makes it sound like she slowed him down in some way. He just runs through her. Yes. Like, <laughs> just like, obliterates He doesn't her. even quite realize what he's done because the reason why he even ran into her in the first place, he's high on something called Compound V. And Compound V is this world's version of a super soldier serum. It is what creates superheroes. Uh, you find out in season one, that superheroes are not born that way, which is what they have been portrayed to the world as. They've actually been created by this company called Vault. And Vault is evil, essentially, or if you want to look at it that way, uh, this company basically manufactures soups. And Compound V is the drug they give the children, because children, for some reason, can handle it better than adults. It just fucks adults, adults up. So if you're an adult and you try to take Compound V, it doesn't really work. But uh, children are given it. And they develop some type of superhuman gene and they get different superpowers. So season one, Huey's girlfriend gets killed. Uh, This guy named Billy Butcher, who's also one of the main characters, he's a straight up asshole, but like hard ass, a Steven Seagal, a.k.a. Rambo type. uh, So on the note of Billy, I think one of the reasons why I like his character so much is he's blatantly Jack Sparrow. He's blatantly a rated R Jack. Like, the way he moves his head, he's like, oh, hey, you little cunt. Like, the way he talks, and the way, like, I know you guys can't see, but, like, he wiggles his fucking head 
in such an odd way when he talks. He it, gives me a lot really of really reminds me. It, he reminds me the most of Jack Sparrow because he just has like this charismatic, like cunty demeanor, and he's like really jokey and funny, and it's it's also just like the his body language. It's just it's he gives j- me rated R Jack Sparrow. Every every character you've ever seen in any film that's a hard ass that basically can't be beat, that can take an ass whooping and get right back up and still keep talking shit. Uh, a guy who is unapologetically himself, curses a shit ton, like myself. He's he's basically that. He's like a combination of a ton of things. And I like his character a lot, but he hates superheroes. He's a regular human being, but he hates soups. And the reason why he hates soups is because his wife, from his perspective, was raped and killed by Superman, aka Homelander, in this verse. And that's what he was meant to believe in season one. So he naturally absolutely hates soups and he literally kills them. Uh, he thinks that nobody should have that type of power and he hunts superheroes. And so after Huey's incident, which goes public and everything, and Vault tries to offer Huey 40 K for his dead girlfriend and tells him, look, you really don't have any claim to anything because she was your girlfriend, not your wife. So 40 K is the best we can do, but you have to sign an NDA. So don't bring this up. Don't talk about this. Don't go public with this. 40 K is all you get. And uh, yeah, they leave him with a really cruel ultimatum from my magic the gathering community. Uh, so he runs into Billy Butcher. Billy tries to recruit him into their little group, which is the boys. And their group is essentially, like I said, they hunt heroes. They hate heroes. Obviously, Huey would join this cause because his girlfriend was just killed by a soup. And that's kind of the main premise. The other big plots, obviously, are the seven, a.k.a. the main superheroes. So you have, let's just go through them. Homelander is Superman. He is the most powerful. He has laser beams. He can hear things. Uh, obscenely far away. Uh, smell fear. He can see through things. Like He has basically most of Superman's powers. I wouldn't say he has all of them because Superman has entirely, entirely too many. But all of the base ones that everyone who's ever seen anything related to Superman in their life, which is almost everyone, he has all of Superman's base powers. So he can shoot lasers yeah. out of his eyes. He can fly. He's super strong. He's super fast, I want to say as well. Yeah. He is blatantly Superman. Obviously, He's a much toned down version of Superman, yeah. but still way higher than everybody else. Like every other superhero is just fucking scared of him. Yes. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like it's not just humans that are scared of him. Every person with powers is scared of Homelander. Like he's that far above as far as we can see all of the other heroes while, you know, still obviously being below the real Superman. But um, yes, he's below the real Superman, but way stronger than every other uh, hero and also every other human being on the planet. So there's that. Uh, you have a train, which we talked about. He is the Flash. He's black, uh, he, which does play a role in two of the seasons, actually, season two and season three. His his race does come up <laughs> twice. Uh, but yeah, so you have a train. He is a version of the Flash. And then you have the Deep, which is Aquaman. And you have. Uh, Maeve, which is Wonder Woman. And yep. then you have this guy named Black Noir. I don't really think he fits any one particular hero that I can think of. I would say Batman. Okay. Like he's, because he's like, I mean, obviously he's not a normal human, but he seems to like have gadgets and knives and shit and like he's okay. dark. Kind of, like, yeah. I, he's not exactly Batman. Yeah, but I none of them are exact, fit. but I think that this is the, for, this is when it starts to deviate a lot. Um, yeah, I think that this was a, this is a big because he's not really like Batman. Honestly, like, he doesn't ever speak. And he also is not 
outrageously obscenely rich, which is the main thing that like Batman is known for. And he also is superhuman blatantly unlike Batman. So, but I, he wears all black. So there's that connection. And he sometimes uses gadgets. Although honestly, a lot of the time he is just straight up fisticuffs. He's super strong, super durable. Also to note, uh, before we go through the rest of them, all of the soups in this universe that they built, and this took me a while to realize, honestly, I didn't realize until fully season three, but they're all super durable, which is yeah, yeah. It, as like a side effect, in addition to their power, they had they're like somewhat superhuman. Like yeah, like all of them and- can take bullets, and nothing happens. So that is an interesting thing because again, I didn't realize that on my first watch. Although my first watch, I was kind of like, I was I was just getting into the show. I didn't really know if I would like it, so I was half paying attention, half not thinking this is a rant. I just watched Invincible, which is the same premise almost, and then I realized, oh god, this show is actually kind of crazy. Let me pay more attention, and I realized, okay, they're all outrageously durable. Uh, so there's Black Noir, who's like we said, he's somewhat akin to Batman, a lot not, and then you have. The what's the translucent is an invisible I think man. His name is literally translucent. By the way, I wanted to bring this up a couple episodes ago. I don't remember when. I don't know what podcast episode it was, but we had brought up the Cowboy Bebop live action again, and me and Fraser and I probably a lot of other people hate uh, Vicious's actor. The actor for Vicious is fucking terrible. He just doesn't fit the role. Whatever. But in an episode a couple weeks ago, I had mentioned. I saw him in another show. I don't remember what the show was, but I really liked him in that show, but I couldn't remember what it was. When I was watching season three, I remembered he's translucent. The guy who plays Vicious is translucent in season one. It's the same actor. And he's only in season one for a bit anyway, because most most of the time you see him, he's actually invisible. That's his power outside of being super adorable and all of that stuff. But but that's what I meant. If if you happen to remember from a previous episode, I I was talking about... And I didn't know at the time because I couldn't remember. But I was talking about the boys in season one. Translucent is the vicious actor, and yeah, you know he's a lot better here. Uh, and so last we have the newest recruit to the seven, and her name is Starlight. She is a very suburban white girl who's extremely vanilla, uh, happy-go-lucky, just happy to be here. You're a sweet American pie, and. She joins the seven thinking that, you know, her dream for her entire life, like most kids, has been to become a superhero and to join the seven. It's the most prestigious superhero group in the world. It's the greatest honor to join it. She thinks it's all flowers and rainbows, and she quickly finds out. And as the show reveals to us over time, especially season one, superheroes are not all that cracked up to be. The company Vault is a huge media company, and they market them as in a way that they're not actually. So everything is all uh wrapped up with a bow everything looks perfect but literally nothing is all of them are assholes the deep the aquaman of the group literally within the first time meeting her tells her look i'm second in command here next to homelander and if you want to get far in this and in, 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 in the seven if you want to make it big you got to jerk me off you got to jerk me off and it's so dark because he literally is, is sexually assaulting this girl from the gate uh and she ends up doing it obviously regretting doing it and yeah he exposes himself to her almost immediately and he mind you he's it, not even second just in by the way anything. like that is already sexual assault slash a form of rape but i think it's even worse i think he forced her to blow him oh i didn't okay I think because in season three she says because in season three we're obviously with about season three spoilers whatever in season three when deep comes back to the seven it's homelander 
he brings deep into the room and Starlight's there. And she says to Homelander, you want me to like share a room with the guy who mouth raped me on my first day here. <laughs> she blatantly it's says so that. She's bad. like, you want me to, to tolerate the guy who mouth raped me on oh, my first day Oh God, here? this show is so crazy. So yeah, this is, honestly, this this episode is of the podcast in general is going to be wild because there is a lot of wild things in the boys and if you watch the show you already know that so you probably know what you're getting yourselves into for people who have never watched it uh you know buckle up because this show like again this is dark and in a lot of ways and in a lot of scenes it's up there with game of thrones and just the things that they show and the subject matter is also in that same vein of like very I very i definitely think it's gorier than game of thrones for sure it like, reminds I don't think... me of quentin tarantino like gory, yeah, like the, too gory though. Like the gore, yeah, yeah. The gore is comic. Like the blood explodes. It's like, comic. Yeah, it's comic. It is comic. Yeah. Like, Game of Thrones tries to keep it realistic with the blood. I think this show goes a bit overboard, but that's just the that's the universe they build, right? So that's just yeah, they just yeah. accepted it for what it is. But yes, Starlight is the newest member of the superhero group, and again, she's very green. She doesn't know what it's actually like to be a superhero. So when she joins, they take advantage of her, Aquaman, getting her to apparently perform a sexual act. And uh, yeah, and then she finds out that he's basically not even, there is no second in command Homelander. It's Homelander and there's everyone else far, far, far below him. It's yeah. not even close. So yeah, that's pretty much the premise of season one. And then the main, the main plot twist is, of season one is that Homelander finds out and Billy Butcher finds out Billy's wife consensually actually went with Homelander. Uh, they, she wasn't actually raped, but they ended up conceiving a child, Homelander and Billy's wife. And she was put into a compound, like a kind of secluded area, a secluded base where they're on 24 hour surveillance because the child was born and the child is a, like soup. The child has superpowers without having any compound V injected into him. The child was organically born as Superman uh, which is the narrative that they portrayed for Homelander. So this is a really interesting like plot twist. And it's literally the last episode when they find out that, yeah, his wife is not, she's not dead. First of all, she's not dead, which is what they lead you to believe. She's not dead at all. She's actually alive and beautiful and well, but she has a son named Ryan and it's Homelander's son and a little boy's a superhero, but he doesn't even know that he has these abilities at all. He, he's lived such a sheltered life that he doesn't even really know that the, the world exists. Basically some attack on Titan shit. His whole world yeah, is like yeah. this tiny compound. He's literally base. living inside walls. Like yes. It's attack on Titan walls. for him. He doesn't even know that the real world exists until his dad literally grabs him, flies him into the air and shows him that the world is huge and there's a lot out there. So that's like the main thing of season one. The other big thing I would say is that <laughs> there's this one scene where Homelander and Maeve, Wonder Woman, uh, they're, they're supposed to save people from a... And a terrorist attack, uh, the terrorists have hijacked an airplane and the plane is essentially going to crash because Homelander laser beams one of the terrorists, but he also destroys uh, the command and the cockpit. That, that whole area gets destroyed. And as the plane is going down, they realize no one on the flight can land this plane properly. So they have to make a decision. Like, will they stop the plane from crashing with super strength or flying or something like that? And he's like, absolutely not. Um, and as people are getting nervous because they're realizing, holy shit, they're about to leave us. Like they're about to, the superhero is about to jump off the plane, fly away and let us all die. People start to get loud and rowdy and they're like, yo, you can't just let us in. We have children and everything. We have families we have to get home to. And this is when, for me, you know, at the end of episode one, you kind of get a taste of what Homelander is. But this episode for me was when you really realize 
how dark and sadistic this show can get because Homelander's eyes turn red. They light up like he's about to laser beam people. And he says, get the fuck back to everybody in the plane who's like standing up and trying to like, you know, fight for their lives and ask, begging him, like, can you please help us? Don't leave us here. We're about to literally crash and die. And there's tons of kids. There's tons of kids. They make it very clear. The plane is stockpile kids. It looks like a fucking Disney trip. And yeah, he tells them all to back the fuck up just like that. And Maeve, Wonder Woman, she's terrified, but she goes along with it. She goes along with it. He's the leader of the seven. And he convinces her that they just have to let this happen. So they leave. The plane crashes. They're at the crash site. And when the camera crew show up, when the news shows up, they say, yeah, this is this is the problem with the government not having us in the military. If we were in the military, we would have been able to stop this. We would have known about this before it happened. We weren't able to save anyone because we're not in the military. And there's this whole... There's this whole thing going on with the company Vault where they want superheroes to basically be paid to be in the military because it would be a huge, huge cash grab. It would make basically the company bigger than it's ever been if superheroes were essentially mercenaries for the government and the military. Uh, so that's like their agenda. That's that's Vault's agenda with the the seven is they want to basically have it where soups get sold into the military and it's going to cost a ton of money, obviously, for them to do that. But that's what their main agenda is. So that's like season one. Homelander slash Superman has a son. Good right there, Kenny? Yeah, yeah. I think the only thing I would add, um, it's been a while since I watched it, so I don't remember exactly. But I think I think Billy's wife like was forcefully consenting, right? Like she she went she consented to go along with Homelander, but because she was like threatened, I think. Okay. I don't think she like I, if I remember correctly, I don't think she was like actually trying to have an affair and a fling with Homelander. I think he kind of like forced her into a situation. And so she consented in quotes in order to like not get herself or, or her husband. But what about uh, the, like her. the sex part too? You think the sex was actually, I, th- I think so. from what I remember, I think so. Okay. I don't remember it that much. Cause again, this is, this is season one, which I've watched actual over a year ago now, I would say, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, if it, either way, whatever the case may be, Billy's wife is not dead, and uh, they have yeah, a kid who's a superhero, dead. and that's like the main thing. And the yeah, the very end of season one hits you with like that twist where fucking shit happens. Homelander, Billy, and then the girl who like access Homelander's surrogate mom, weird relationship yeah. girlfriend. Uh, they're all there, and um, just basically shit happens. Homelander ends up lasering her fucking face off. Billy blows up the house, and then when he wakes up, Homelander brought her to brought him to his thought to be dead wife, yeah. and where Ryan was, and showed him all that shit. And it was like this big reveal, and that's where season one ended. And then season two kind of picks up, and we don't know where Billy is after that. Like Billy's gone for I, I want to say the first two episodes or something. Yeah, he's on a hiatus because he did get dropped off in a random place by Homelander. And the only reason that he did not get killed by Homelander because this is something that. You kind of have to come to grips with as you watch the show. Homelander can kill anyone instantly whenever he feels like it, and there's really nothing stopping him. So every time he doesn't kill someone, you have to ask yourself, well, how come this person survived this encounter? And it's always some extremely contrived reason. So in this case, it was like, well, I couldn't kill him because my son was standing right there. And, uh, you know, Billy's wife said, if you kill, if you kill him, if you kill Billy Butcher, I will commit suicide. I will do it in front of our son. And I will tell him that the reason I'm doing this is because of you. So that's his reason, which is that that reason. I was like, holy shit, that's really (laughs) fucking good. 
a lot of the, a lot of the other times that they survive encounters with Homeland are kind of like, eh, I don't know about that there, one. There is some times where it's like it gets to the point where contrived is a great word where it's like there's there's instances, especially going into season two and season three, where I'm like a lot of these situations that where people are backing Homelander into a corner make no fucking sense. I agree. Me. I'm glad that you're on on pa- same page with me because we haven't talked about this. And like this. Like a lot, like a lot of this shit just shouldn't matter. I get that he wants like the adoration of the people, yeah. But him, like at the same time, him caring about money is like so foreign to me. Like I just don't. Yeah, and that's what that's what I mean. Um, and I'm and again, I'm very glad that you're on the same page there because you know this show is great, but it is not without its faults. So you know, the, it, it doesn't have some crazy big flaws. I think that you just have to watch it for what it is. It's a super, yeah, yeah, it's a show yeah, about superheroes for God's sake. If you're accepting that they exist. Sometimes the writing takes a place, takes takes a, a a step in a direction that I just kind of like, uh, I don't know. I got this guy's been on a power trip. He's killed people. The problem, you know what the real problem is with Homelander? He's killed people for so much less. He's killed for less. Like on, he's on definitely screen. killed for less. He's killed people on screen for so much less. Let's start with season two. So season two is great. Season two, I think, is the best season. I don't know how you feel after watching season three, but I actually prefer season two out of all the all three seasons so far. I think that season was in sane uh so this is the season where the group actually exposes vault for compound v so the whole world finds out in season two on the news that superheroes are actually created with this this compound v chemical shit uh you know that's how that's how superheroes come to be they're not born so that's the main premise of season two they actually exposed vault and all of that stuff right um the other thing is there's this new character because the deep and a train get kicked out of the seven. So they have to replace them because it still has to be the seven. Right. So they add someone called Stormfront. She's a girl. Uh, she's like your badass biker chick shaved head. And she comes in immediately on some no nonsense. I'm not here for the media training. I'm not here for this perfect uh, image that you guys are trying to portray. Girls get it done. They have these posters with like Maeve, Starlight and Stormfront. And they're all arms folded like Charlie's Angels. She hates all of that shit. And she actually speaks about it. On national TV, uh, you know, when they have interviews, she goes off script. She's basically someone that you can't really control. And when we first meet her, we don't understand how powerful she is or who she really is. She just comes literally out of fucking nowhere. She gets introduced as like a Gen Zer. Like she gets introduced as if she's young, like she's a young, rebellious girl. And we kind of feel like she's the super liberal, right? At first, that's kind of the way she presents herself. Like, yeah, she, yeah. Like the it's whole, weird. I don't take shit from the the establishment. That's yeah. like a very liberal, like, fuck no, we're gonna do what we want, like that type of. It's very uh, female empowerment and just that whole vibe. She has at first, that's the vibe that they try to make sure that we understand her as, and it, it just goes south. <laughs> it goes in a direction that by episode three, by episode it goes, three, you can say it goes right. It goes say. very right, actually. It goes it goes <laughs> far right, actually. It goes far right. That was a great way to put it. Um, come to find out, this bitch is a fucking Nazi. She's an absolute... Not, not just a Nazi like how we call people Nazis nowadays. Yeah. Literally was alive an actual, like, thoroughbred Nazi. So like I'm going to read off some facts about Stormfront. So she was the wife of the founder of Vault, Dr. Vault's actual wife. She is the first ever superhero. Or I'll just call her a soup. She's the first ever soup. She's the first person that Compound V was tested on. Right. So she is the first successful person to take this chemical on and become a soup. Uh, <laughs> she hates a train, obviously, because he's fucking black. And here we go with this type of shit. She's 
She says a ton of racist shit. And the way she does it, at first, honestly, when I was watching season two at first, some of the stuff that she would say is so underhanded and written so well, it kind of slides under a little bit. Like, it almost... Because it comes out of nowhere, too. They have a conversation. Her and A-Train are just sitting down under a tent together. And <laughs> the conversation goes fucking... It just goes <laughs> so left. And she starts insulting him. Like, yeah, you are pretty smart for one of them. Stuff like that. She says things like that. And uh, so she's super racist. She hates A-Train. She's extremely powerful, though. And to the point where, to so just to give her some scaling, Homelander, you know, he can laser pretty much any other soup and they just get cut in half, melted, whatever you want to call it. But when he does it to Stormfront and they have like this whole sexual moment because they have a little fling affair, she opens her shirt up, revealing her breast, and he starts to laser beam her and it doesn't do anything. It actually just pleases her completely. He's fully lasering this bitch and nothing is happening except her getting turned on by it. So... That's to give you just a bit of how powerful she is. Uh, she's capable of basically beating every other soup in the show outside of Homelander with ease. Like, it's not even close. She's that strong. So they have pictures of her with Hitler. She has pictures with Nazis, the, the swastika in the background. She's the real deal. Like, she is fully, legitimately a racist and a Nazi and all of those horrible, horrible things. So you don't find out at first, but by episode three, there's this incident where one of the characters, Kimiko, she is a girl who doesn't speak any English. She pretty much talks in sign language. Yeah, she doesn't speak any anything except sign language. Yeah, she she basically she's a self-inflicted mute. Uh, she wasn't born that way or anything like that. But after an incident that happened when they were younger, um, where she was sold into a terrorist group and essentially designed to be a terrorist, uh, she decided to never speak again after seeing her parents be killed and murdered. And her brother, who was, you know, sold the same way, um, you know, he's normal, except that he's crazy in a sense that he bought into the whole, I want to be a terrorist thing. And he, and he also has superpowers. He's like a telekinetic. He could do all these crazy things, right? So there's a scene in season, th- in season two, episode three, where soups are sent to, uh, I guess, try to stop some terrorist shit from happening in this residential building and Stormfront arrives on the scene and it's like oh good thank god she's here but for some reason she ends up in a family's home and she starts killing them these are just regular civilian people people who just live in this apartment and she starts offing them and it doesn't like click it's just like okay well i've seen homelander kill people for almost nothing that are innocent humans or whatever so it's not the craziest thing but it's like damn we got two of these now uh but then one thing to note is that the family that she killed are definitely minority. Like they're definitely people of yeah. color. And yep. as they get to the rooftop, she's destroying this building. You see her power. She has like purple electricity. You see her power going all throughout this building and people are screaming. There's blood splattered. It's all kinds of crazy. It's like, holy shit. She's not being heroic right now at all. She's killing she people. No regard for collateral damage at all. So she gets to the but top. Specifically, and as far as I can tell, no regard for collateral damage because of the neighborhood she's in. Yes. She's like, whatever. She's like, I'm in the fucking ghetto and I don't give a fuck about none of these minorities. So they get to the top of the building, they get to the rooftop and Kimiko's there with her brother. Mind you, they're both Asian. Uh, <laughs> and she makes a comment about him being like yellow, something about him being Asian. Like it's a very, again, she makes these comments that are like, they're blatantly racist, but they're so underhanded at the same time. They get into a, a scuffle, they get into a fight and she zero diffs him essentially. And she has this, this is point where he's on his knees. She has both his arms and she breaks his arms to the point where the bones come out of his wrists. 
right? It's like very gory, very graphic. And she's standing over top of him. And she says, I like to watch the, the light go out. And she, I guess yeah. she, she like chokes him and kills him or something. Um, but yes, so she kills, she kills the guy. Now, mind you, this guy was blatantly a terrorist though. He was a soup terrorist. So, you know, on, on one hand he needed to go. He definitely has killed a lot of innocent people. It definitely done a lot of horrible things, but, uh, yeah, she, she murdered him. She played judge, jury and executioner, which is not okay. And yeah, so, it's like, cause she killed him. Like the way she killed him, it's like, she, she didn't kill him because he was a terrorist. You know what I mean? No, that's not she why she enjoyed killed him. Kill, like him being a terrorist is just kind of like a side, like a happenstance. Yes. There was she another scene. Yeah. Killed yeah. him because it was fun. Like she was a weapon pointed toward it. Yeah. And to drive that point home even more uh, of her senseless killing is she a hundred years ago, not a hundred years ago, but like 50 years ago or something like that. She runs into a black family who are driving on a road and I forget exactly what happens, but either they crash into her or something. They run into her and this is literally like 50 years ago. And she takes the black guy out of the car and beats him to death. Right. Yeah. At the time she was under the hero named Liberty. Yes. She had a very different name. And so no one knows her as Stormfront. But the weird thing about it is that the sister of the guy who got beat to death in front of her, um, she remembers what happened. Like She'll never forget. She'll never forget her face, but she hasn't aged at all. And this is the peculiar thing about Stormfront. Out of all the other superheroes who clearly they age, right? Like they they age. She just for some reason does not. I guess that's one of the side effects of the compound Vita she got, one of the first serums ever. She does not age. So she's looked exactly the same since Nazi Germany, since fucking civil rights forever so she just killed this black guy and she calls him like black scum she says something like that like she doesn't use the n-word yeah. ever because the show doesn't go that far but she does everything outside of calling this guy the n-word before she kills him and yeah so she's she's hardcore nazi hardcore racist so that's stormfront's character so she makes season two insane to me because she comes in and at first it's like oh i kind of like this guy i actually wrote on facebook i remember now as I was watching season two last year, <laughs> I wrote on Facebook, okay, I, I fuck with this character Stormfront. Like she's, I'm tired of all of this, you know, establishment politics, this whole portraying yourself is this perfect, happy go lucky, nothing's wrong yeah, yeah. to the media. And then everyone on my comments, luckily I didn't see it because I, I write things on Facebook and I close the app and I go back to doing what I'm doing, especially if I'm watching a show. People tend to spoil things. I don't like that shit. So I made my comment and I left. I didn't read any comments. But after I finished the season, I came back and I was laughing because everybody was like, oh boy, who's going to tell them? Because <laughs> my status was like, I like Storm. Like, I think she's kind of cool. And everyone was, every single comment was like, dear God, this is going to age so poorly. And then people were like, I'm literally here for the comments. So when he comes back to Facebook, like it was crazy. So yeah, uh, she turns out to be insane by episode three. And I finished out the season before going back to Facebook because I didn't want to get spoiled. Um, so yeah, she's introduced. She's nuts. And the, the main premise of season two is, you know, Homelander, he's more unhinged, but they have, they basically found the tape. The Deep has gone in the ocean and dug up uh, the actual recording from a cell phone of what happened on that, that plane crash from season one where Homelander and Maeve blatantly let those people die. Like they blatantly say, get the fuck back. And you know, I'll lay, I'll kill every single one of you or whatever. And they let those people die. And he, because Homelander's only weakness and the boys, like the Superman's only weakness is that he cares about his approval rating. He cares about how people look, yeah. view him, his image. Like if you can go after his image, it is literally his kryptonite. Cause there's no actual kryptonite in the show. So the only thing that stops him from just being at an absolute tyrant 
is the fact that he's held back by his image and his ego. Yeah, he wants people to love him. Yep. So that's like the main thing. Uh, you know, Stormfront at first she, she likes or, or not Stormfront Starlight, the you know American Pie girl. She's definitely jaded by this point in season two, yeah. but she still forced her into like these skimpy outfits and shit, and like <laughs> yeah. they're trying to turn her into a sex symbol, and like she doesn't want to do any of that. Yeah, it's great. She has a meet and greet with a bunch of her fans and her costume used to be, you know, pretty covered up. And this little girl comes up and she's like, I have your first costume. I'm saving up for the second one. And and Starlight whispers to her because the second one is just literally a fucking leotard with all of her skin out. Cle- yeah. Deep, deep cleavage showing like everything, deep right? Cleavage, a little bit of her cheeks hanging out. Every, yeah, it's everything. And uh, yeah, so she's like, hey, you know, I like my first one better. Don't even get the second one. Don't even buy the second. She's telling her little girl that. So you can see how in these really quick ways, I love that the boys is a commentary on how easy it is to influence people, how social media essentially literally influences humans because the little girl sees this new costume. And despite the fact that the actual superhero who's wearing it hates it, the social media portrays it as though she loves it. This is her new thing. And so the little girl wants to look like that. And that just that yeah. fast, this little girl is like, I want to show all this skin now. And you know, Starlight stops this one little girl, maybe, right? We don't know what happens, but Starlight potentially stops this one little girl, but there are millions of girls out there who probably did buy the costume. And man. they're going to get it, and they're going to be walking around looking like that at a young age. So that's just like one of the few things. There's other commentaries like how politicians who are so anti-gay are always the biggest homosexuals there are. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's that, that one guy, Ezekiel. Wild. There's a There's this place where heroes go, heroes only, um they <laughs> soups only they have like orgies and drug parties and all types of shit and so there's this one scene where i believe like huey or someone's visiting one of those sex parties sex crazy orgy things and he sees the guy ezekiel uh who's a religious zealot he's jerking off two guys like just straight yep. up giving two guys a hand job at the same time and you know later on he's at this religious retreat thing and he's preaching about like all kinds of anti-gay rhetoric and you know, the, yeah. t- the typical retreat too. It's crazy because it, when they go there, it's a place that Starlight used to go. She grew up like in that neighborhood yeah. in that crowd, and then when she's there, sort of as an adult with wiser eyes, she realizes like how much hatred, bigotry, and like specifically anti anti homophobic like anti uh, homosexual rhetoric there is. Like there's yes. a there's a poster of like um homelander <laughs> and it says like always fly straight or something like that <laughs> it's like and there's just like all this and then so when she has to end up giving a speech she she can't because it's just there's so like fake. all this anti-gay rhetoric that's there and she's Mind you, like she can't the guy is gay like he's into yeah, yeah, homosexual he fully likes men like that is a fact there's so they actually blackmail him in this season because they find like a well she she took a video of him you know and they act with men like he he likes men uh so this you know that's just a commentary on real life every time i hear about a senator or anyone on some anti-gay shit it's they always i don't know how this is real life but they always end up being found with like some nasty nasty like grossed out in a room drugged out of their mind with shit stains all over the bed engaging in some really crazy all male orgy stuff and it's like yeah if you're into men be into men but don't try to put people down who are into that meanwhile you're literally doing the same exact thing behind closed doors it's absurd so that's always the case in real life so the boys has a lot of commentary about that type of thing 
And uh, yeah, the main other thing that comes out of season two with Stormfront is that she finds out about Homelander having a kid. And her whole thing with Homelander is that she loves him because she feels like he's the perfect person. Like the only thing that he blonde hair, blue eyes, blonde hair, blue eyed. And the only thing that he's doing wrong is that he's actually abiding by the rules set up by regular people, by humans and by the masses. And she says, you can't appease everyone that those days are gone. You actually, it's not possible. She said, you have like what? 15 million fans. She said, I only have five guys in a room with five computers and they're just like making memes and they're destroying you online. You're getting destroyed. She's basically beating him in approval and an image and everything like that because she set up smear campaigns and all she has is five guys in a room with, with a cell phone basically making memes. And that's just enough to destroy his image. Because you, know you know how the world is. If people can make jokes of you and meme you to death, that's a real thing. You basically be canceled uh, after yeah. the internet gets a hold of you. So she tells him, you can't appease everyone. Fine. 5 million angry people will be 15 million fans any day. And I, I, I agree. Like, I agree. 5 million angry humans, if you can anger and rally up 5 million people and make them really pissed, don't, their energy p- output from those 5 million will way outdo the people who love you. It's not even close. Yeah, for sure. So the, her uh, whole thing is that she wants him to be the asshole that he truly is. She wants him to be, well, she really wants him to be a Nazi like her. But he, <laughs> it's funny, every time she kind of brings it up, He's like, what? No, <laughs> I think at one point he actually, he actually says, "What? No, that's not. We're not doing that." But yeah, go yeah. Ahead. it's. Uh, I wanted to say, and I wanted to talk more on that note. But before that, I wanted to say the I the other I think pretty big plot point that ends up becoming a thing in season two is the cult, the collective, and like the deep because the deep is out of the yeah. seven and he's trying to restructure his life and he becomes part of this cult and. uh he ends up getting like a wife, like a almost like a an arranged marriage. <laughs> yeah, it's like super awkward. And his wife, it's so random. Like she ends up playing like a fairly important role in season three. I'm like, who is this bitch? Yeah, like, I don't. She... Yeah, she's not memorable. But um, but yeah, that's you know that's pretty much season two. Yeah, the other thing that I was gonna say with season two to wrap it up is that so because Stormfront they have to wrap up her storyline. So she finds out about Homelander's kid, and she literally in the most ridiculous way, injects herself into the life of Homelander, yeah. uh, Billy Butcher's wife, and the kid. And she's like, you know, you're a superhero. This is your responsibility. This is, these are your powers. You, you're not like everyone else. Which is, that's one thing. But then she starts saying shit like, so the mom, the Ryan's mom, is like, hey, he needs his mother. And Stormfront looks at him like, he'll have a mother. Insinuating yeah, yeah. that when you're gone, when you're dead, because you know Stormfront's been living for a hundred years, she's like, when you're dead and gone, I'll be his mom. She just blatantly insinuates that very early on, like scarily early, takes a motherly role in this kid's life who she does not know at all. And yeah, it gets to the point where uh <laughs> so she gets jumped, Stormfront gets jumped by all the other girls, so she gets jumped by Kimiko, Starlight, and Maeve. This they, is a this is a cool because as the season tries to make fun of like the forced girl power image at the at toward the end of the season they do have like that marvel endgame moment with all the girl super but when they do it here it feels pretty natural it does doesn't feel this bitch has to go so yeah yeah they jump her and they beat her ass and she does exactly what homelander does in season three she gets the fuck out of there and when she's losing you know she is stronger than all of them they none of them can solo her if it was a 1v1 or even a 2v1 they will lose but the 3v1 is too much uh so she gets the fuck out of there and she flies off to go stop billy from taking the kid away and she stops him so it's now billy butcher uh ryan the soup child and 
the wife, right? And Stormfront is on some, I'm just going to kill you guys. I'm going to take the kid. I'm bringing him back to Homeland. I'm going to do my duty or whatever for the man I love. And uh, yeah, Ryan, the little boy, he finally activates his superpowers for real. And he lasers her, all of her limbs off. Like he literally, when he sees Stormfront, I think she's hurting his mom. And when he sees that, he lasers off all of her limbs. So his superpowers are not only finally activated, because his dad has been trying to get him to fly. He pushed him off a roof at one point, which is crazy. Um, his superpowers have finally activated. But I would say they're even stronger than Homelanders, which is something that I feel like the show is trying to key at. So the fact that they take off her limbs, to me, seemed like a, a scaling thing, because we saw Homelander laser her. And rather, he was going as hard as he could. I don't know if there's degrees of laser beams or whatever, but the boy takes her shit off quick and melts her hair off and everything leaves her on some Anakin Skywalker. Actually, it's exactly the same as Anakin Skywalker at the end of episode three. You guys know what I'm talking about. I have the high ground, that whole thing. That's what she looks like at the end of season two. So they deal with Stormfront. She doesn't die, but they kill her off really early in season three. And the uh, Homelander's proud of his son. He's like, did you do this? And his son is like, I'm so sorry. Uh, but the only issue is that his son ended up accidentally when he was killing Stormfront or hurting Stormfront, he lasered his mother in the neck and she bleeds out and dies. So so Billy Butcher's yeah. wife ends up basically getting killed because of the child that she had with Homelander. So this whole thing does not appease Butcher's anger towards Homelander at all. It actually just further infuriates him and makes him hate him even more. Um and the only reason, so Homelander arrives, right? And as you, this is another one of those scenes where it's like, well, Homelander could just kill everybody here and it would be nothing to him. But, you know, his son is there. And this is where Maeve, Maeve shows up. She's the one who actually fully stops him. She shows the video of the plane and he's like, I don't give a fuck. I don't do what I want to do. And she's like, yeah, you don't give a fuck now. But when this video gets out, everyone's going to hate you. And you know how that feels. So, you know, if you don't want that, you got to chill, let them go. So he just kind of, he kind of leaves. That's how they get him to leave with that video. They blackmail him in season two. Now on to season three. I think that's pretty much the main things that happen in season two. The other, okay. There's one other thing before we get into season three. Uh, the other thing with season two was there's this person, there's a soup out there who can make people's oh, head yeah, explode. Yeah. And they finally revealed that it's actually this Congresswoman, Victoria Newman, I think is her name. Yeah. Um, she has the ability to make people's heads explode, but no one knows that she's doing it. Cause it, there's no, there's no cue that she's using this power. It just happens. It kind of happens. There was multiple points in season two where like they were making headway and then someone's head got exploded. Yeah. They were about to testify against vault vault and they had the doctor who knew everything, you know, all the deep seedy things that happened with vault and uh, his head explodes right before the trial or during the trial. Actually uh, the guy from that cult group that you were talking about with the deep, he's making concessions on the phone and he's about to do something and then his head explodes. So and they finally show that it's her who's been doing this. So season three kind of picks up from that point. Huey actually finds out very early in season three that Victoria Newman, this Congresswoman is the one responsible for people's heads exploding. So, you know, she's kind of like a, another antagonist of the show of the boys. And yeah, it's because yeah. Huey is finally, we, we haven't talked about him much, but he's throughout all of the seasons, this really meek, guy but he ends up doing aggressive things being with butcher and the rest of the boys in order to like kind of fight back and to bring things to true justice or whatever yeah. by season three he's tired like his thing is like i want to do it the right way without being covered in blood and guts yeah because he and, killed he's the guy who killed translucent in season one he yeah. killed a soup so they didn't even kill a soup and season like butcher and them they 
didn't kill translucent. It was Huey who pressed the detonator that was shoved in his ass and blew him to, to bits. Uh, so Huey has killed someone and he's actually killed more than one soup actually throughout the oh, yeah. show. Like he's, he's kind of efficient at it, even though it, <laughs> at times it doesn't seem like he necessarily means to, but he just still does it because he has to. Uh, but yes, Huey, like you said, very meek. And he, you know, him and Starlight have this, this love affair thing, this back and forth. They clearly like each other, but it's kind of, there's always these conflicts. He has to use her in season one, which he really hates having to do. And she hates that he did it. Mm. So there's like a stress in their relationship with that whole thing. Obviously him being a human and her being super, it kind of makes the relationship dynamic awkward. Cause in the conventional sense, like men protect women, but he literally cannot protect her from any threat that is coming after her. If something is threatening her, the only person that can protect her is herself. So that plays a, that's a huge strain. I think that's a strain for most men in general. Like if we're being completely honest when you just can't do anything for your woman, um, in that kind of way, you can't protect men's job is kind of to protect and provide. And he really can't do either. You know, she has money, she has superpowers and he doesn't. So that's like a big thing that plays a dynamic. And it comes up a lot in season three. And the reason why I'm even talking about it is because in season three, so we already talked about compound V in season one and that reveal. And then in season two, it kind of gets exposed to the whole world about compound V season three's big thing is that there's this new drug out called temporary V and it allows fully formed adults to take it. And for let's say 24 hours, you are literally a soup. You have powers and everyone's powers are different. Huey gets the ability to warp. uh, And then butcher gets Homelander's abilities. He's essentially Homelander. He has laser beams. He's super strong and all that stuff. I don't think he can fly, but he has all the other powers. Basically he's, it's kind of interesting because butcher hates soups. So fucking much in seasons one and season two, they drop the plane home that he hates them so much. And then he becomes exactly what he despises in season three by constantly taking uh, temporary using the temp V the, the shit's created. Like we were talking about earlier with how they're trying to get soups in the military. There's like ups and downs to that throughout the seasons. And then in season three, the big thing is like they create this temporary V and they're trying to sell it to the military. So yeah. the military can just create their own super soldiers uh, but it only lasts the, for 24 hours. The price was insane, too. I think one dose yeah, it was like of it. was 60K, right? Or something no, like that. No, bro. It was in the millions. The price for one serum, one file of it that lasts for one soldier for one day was, I think, $2 million. Oh, man. It man. was something. Cr- I thought it was something it, I, crazy. I know it's absurd. I know it's absurd because I. Once, I don't know the exact number. For whatever reason, I thought they said 60K for one person. The guy was like, oh, so like to do a whole platoon would be like, you know. Maybe that's where the two million came from. Six million. Or e- yeah, something. you know either, what I mean. Like it was yeah. crazy. You saw you saw it more recent than me, so it might be your number. But I just remember when they said the number that one dose would cost. I said, Jesus Christ! I noted. Now, granted, this is the United States of America we live in. You know, so we spend more money than the rest of the entire world combined. Right? If the entire world combined their military spend budget, the United States spends more than that times two. Okay, so just to put it in perspective, so it's not unheard of for us to pay an exorbitant amount of money for uh, security, national security, which is what it would be considered at that point. But yes, it it cost temporary V cost an outrageous amount, whether it's 60K a file or $2 million a file or somewhere in between or something more or more. It cost a shit ton. It's an absurd amount. Yes. So one person for one day. For yeah, it's only lasts for 24 hours, but you are a soup. And the crazy thing is, again, you don't know what power you're gonna have. So, like, if you give this to a whole platoon of army soldiers or whatever, like it anything could happen. Any like anything could happen. You don't know what kind of abilities they're gonna get. 
Uh, but they all get the base abilities where they're super durable, bullets can't hurt them. They would basically be able to wipe out any other country's military by themselves. Like one battalion will wipe out an entire army easily just because how powerful, you know, they how much more powerful they would be. So that's like the main premise, the overarching storyline of season three is that uh, Temporary V exists. And this is a huge player now because the boys have the ability to become soups. And so Huey and Butcher actually do. And they become what they despise. But this for Huey is actually, Huey likes it because he's on par with his girlfriend finally. And I get that. Like they, they explain later in the season that there are crazy side effects. It basically turns your brain into mush after a certain number of doses. It will, it kills you. Humans can't yeah. actually just take this shit as, as they where show, it's like Billy's ear is like leaking black shit yeah. at one point. And this is before they reveal what exactly it's doing. But there's a part where Huey says, Hey, like butcher, your, your brain is leaking. And then they show butcher's ear and there's like, it's at first I thought it was blood, but it was like black. It was like yeah. ooze. Yeah. So it, it literally kills humans, but they can take it and become a temporary superhero. So there's side effects to it and all types of stuff. But yeah, Huey is on par now with his girlfriend. And throughout the season, you see moments where, you know, at first it's hidden from her, but then he blatantly reveals that he has this ability. She's pissed. She's like, what the fuck? You're taking V? Like, what the hell? Because V is terrible, right? Like, it's really bad. It's cocaine. It's it's heroin for superheroes at the at the bare minimum from what we saw with the deep. Or not to deep with A Train. Uh, a Train used to be hooked on it, and you know he it caused all kinds of problems for him. He killed someone for one, and the other thing is that he has a terrible heart. Um, so yeah, it's it's done terrible things to everyone who's ever taken Compound V or anything related to Compound V, right? So yeah, the fact that he was taking it, she's really pissed about this. Butcher finds out the side effects. He's told to make sure that he lets Huey know and stop Huey from using it. And it's so cool because Butcher is so true to character. When, he give, when he's given the opportunity to do so, you feel like, man, he's finally going to do it, and he doesn't. And, uh, you know, something they alluded to in season two was Butcher had a younger brother who's no longer alive, and we don't know what happened in season two, really, when his dad visits him and they talk about it. You're like, oh, shit, he had a little brother. In season three, we're given a flashback because he's basically put into a Sukiyomi. He's, he's put into, like, this genjutsu by one of the soups, and the genjutsu makes it where he has to relive nightmares forever. Like it'll just perpetually do this until you die. Um, and his nightmare is when he was younger, him and his brother were abused by their father. His father was a drunk and he used to beat them and curse them out and just verbally, physically, mentally abused them. Right. Uh, butcher grows up, rebels and leaves, but he leaves behind his brother and his brother begs him like, please don't leave me behind. I'm going to be his only punching bag. There'll be no one else between me and him. It'll just be me and him. So like, you know, and normally he'd have to beat both our ass. He might get tired on one of us, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like the beating is split between us. And at the very least I have you. So even after it's over, like, you know how it is when you get, you yeah. get chastised as a kid and you have your sister or your brother, you guys can be like, I hate mom. I hate dad or whatever. There's no one now. Like you leave me. It's, it's just me and him, which is terrible. So he leaves him and his brother ends up committing suicide and he has to watch this happen over and over again, even though he didn't actually see it in reality. Uh, but in this genjutsu world, this nightmare world, this is his nightmare. This is, this is butcher's deep, dark nightmare. So his brother committed suicide and it's crazy. Um, his brother loved him and they say that butcher, everyone who's ever loved him ends up dying. That's like a thing with him. He's kind of like a jinx in a way. So when it comes to Huey, who he actually cares about a lot, 
in the same episode at the end, he's given the opportunity to save Huey from taking temporary V again. And he's about to tell him. And then true to character, he's like, yeah, let's go break in the vault and get more fucking temporary V. And he fucking does the head wiggle. He's like, let's go. We're going to fucking get these cunts. And he's like wiggling around. I, he's just so weird. Yeah. So he's irredeemable in that sense. Uh, he His hatred for soups and just wanting to get revenge on Homelander is it outweighs everything else. So yeah. that's he just does like end a, up quote unquote saving Huey though. I think like in the next episode, they're like in a gas station bathroom. So like he never tells them, he never explains to them what happens with yeah. MV, but he just like knocks them unconscious and leaves them there. Yeah. But Huey ends up that taking more of that shit. So it's like, yeah, so it's, you know, it's pretty interesting. Uh, his character development, like you said, Huey started off as this really neat character, but by season three, he's very jaded. He's tired of being a pushover. And he decides, I'm going to be a soup now. I'm going to, I'm going to help. I'm going to actually get out in the field. So he's, he's warned to not go in these certain situations all the time, but he does. And I think the biggest new character, so you had Stormfront season two, but then season three, they introduced this guy named Soldier Boy, who is Captain America, but evil. And uh, he existed. He literally has the same Captain America's backstory where he was in the military per se. And he existed a long time ago, but he was like frozen cryogenically. And yep. uh, now he's back in the real world in 2022, whatever. And he has PTSD. Um, he's addicted to drugs. Like who isn't at that point in the show? He's addicted to drugs. I think Homelander is literally the only like super clean one when it comes to, to drug. He, he doesn't drink or do drugs at all. Homelander's like in episode one, season one, they try to portray Homelander as like, you know, he's Superman. He's, he's the, the straight A guy, right? And then he ends up just being a murderous fucking cunt. So there's that. But Dude, uh that, that something that was really cool in the season is just the Soldier Boy and Homelander. Um the Superman versus Captain America aspect. Now we all know like if if they really fought, like Superman's not fair, he'd kill Captain America. But the Zero idea <laughs> the idea of those two characters fighting is cool because even though Superman isn't technically Superman's basically Captain America. You know what I mean? Like, he wears yeah. red, white, and blue. He's yeah. fucking... They represent the same thing for two different uh, comic book companies. Yeah. So it, it's cool to see Captain America versus Superman, because we get to see that in The Boys. Yes. Um, I don't know, just like a, that when they when they actually fight at um, the Hero-gasm, it's not that long, but like... And it's not a one-on-one for that long. Right, either. right. But when it starts off, and like the one-on-one starts for a little bit... I did get hype as fuck. Me too. I was like, oh, shit. Bro, that episode was fire. So we can go through and talk about some of the things that happened in season three. Because, I mean, that's what the, the main premise of this podcast episode is, is about is season three. But yeah, there's this thing called Herogasm. And it's another one of those soup orgies. You know, only soups can be there or supposed to be there. But essentially, you walk in, take off all your clothes. And there's a tons of soups around. They're doing all kinds of nasty shit. The main guy who greets you at the door has a penis that is literally... I mean, it has to be like, yeah, he was in season two, 50, very briefly, 50 feet long. He was in season two. Like you said, also very, very briefly, he gets saved. <laughs> he gets, he, he gets saved from like this psych war type of place. Uh, but yeah, he's in season three and he's the guy that greets you at the door and his penis literally is the thing that greets you. It knocks, you know, it knocks yeah. for, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's so, his nasty. penis is so they long. I want to say like 50 feet. Like it's insane. How long it's an anaconda. Like from the movie Anaconda, yeah. if you remember that. Uh, yeah, so they go into this hero-gasm thing, and 
the the craziest line was mm <laughs> he walks past one of the rooms and somebody who's off screen i don't ever show the guy but some guy it's a guy yells out uh why don't you get in here and close the door you beautiful brown bear or something like yeah, that yeah like, yeah yeah says some crazy shit to him and i said i would have shot up every fucking thing in that place after he you <laughs> yummy brown bear i think is what he called them so yeah it's it's a wild place there's a lot of sex on also, screen i also liked how completely separate without them talking to each other when butcher sees it and when mm sees it they were both like Frenchie's going to be so mad that he missed this. Like Frenchie's yeah. dream, it was to get to a sea hero gasm. Yeah, it's, so it happens like once a year. It's a really big deal, and it's funny because the show doesn't really give you too much context before hero gasm about what it really is. So when the deep walks in and his eyes gets big, he's like, "Oh my god, this is hero gasm!" And like you don't fully get it, and they kind of change the scene, and then later on you realize, "Oh my god, this is insane." Like the whole thing, that whole episode, I think that was one of the best episodes of the entire season, an entire show. Uh, That's also the episode. I don't know if it's the same for you, because you mentioned you didn't realize fully that all the heroes get like super strength, so to speak, yep. until season three. This is the episode where, when he there's a part where. So as we said, A-Train kills Hubie's girlfriend in episode one of season one. And so all the shit happens. Season three happens. Hero gasm. And then Huey sees A-Train there and he's like. At this point, he was juiced up. He has, like, the warping power. Yeah. And he looks at A-Train, and he's like, hey, you never said sorry. At this point, A-Train has dealt with some stuff. There's this racist superhero uh, who's kind of an analog for, like, over-policing black neighborhoods. His name's Blue Hawk. And some things happened with Blue Hawk, and Blue Hawk injured um, A-Train's brother. So A-Train actually is, it's like, you know, it's happened to him. And so now he actually feels remorse for things that he's done. So he says sorry to Huey, like legitimately apologizes to yeah. him. And Huey just like, he wasn't ready for him to actually receive the apology. He was ready to argue. So he did, you can see it on his face. He didn't know how to react to the fact that <laughs> A-Train genuinely apologized. And then he just hits him. Yep. But when he hits him, he, so what's interesting is at this point, we see Huey's power is like, he can warp. But when he hits A-Train, A-Train's like, how'd you do that? Yeah. Because, like, he didn't use a war- He just, like, punched him, and A-Train got hurt, and he was just, like, couldn't believe that Huey was able to hurt like him. Like a regular like, human. Yeah, he was like, how'd you do that? And how'd you do that? Now that you say that, it brought up another scene from season three that really drives home the whole durability thing and how much stronger the soups are. I think season three is the season that really does drive that point home. Like, there might have been other instances earlier on that was like, oh, they're all kind of durable. But I think season three, the director's wanted us to know because Kimiko and Frenchie are in a relationship. And when she loses her power, she says, I'm so glad that I can finally feel your arms wrapped around me. They don't feel like empty paper bags anymore. Like yeah, wet yeah, noodles. Yeah. She, she, she says that normally when he hugs her because he's a human and she's soup, she says, normally when you hug me and when you, you wrap your arms around me, it feels like your arms are just like wet noodles. Yep. They, they have no weight to them, like feathers. They're, they're literally so nothing against my body against my skin that i never really understood what it was like to have a real warm embrace from you so when she becomes quote-unquote human again because she loses her powers the soldier boy um when she becomes human again she comments about basically it's it's a it's a durability feat humans feel like i mean us just grabbing a soup feels like nothing to them like we feel like ants like if an ant crawled on your arm right now sure yeah it would be kind of like annoying and you'd be like all right i gotta get this off me but it's nothing that would make you ever feel like you're in pain or you're in danger or that this ant can do yeah, anything way down your arm yes like it would it would not stop you from you could do your entire exercise an hour-long exercise with 
several ants on your arm and you wouldn't even, they would bring nothing to the table as far as adding weight to your body. So that's kind of what they want us to understand. Uh, so yeah, Herogasm is this place where they, they have these or these hero orgies and Huey invades it. Uh, and so does well, Butcher's there too, right? Butcher comes there. Butcher. So Butcher ends up coming there with it's Butcher, Huey and Soldier Boy. Yep. Uh, we haven't fully talked about Soldier Boy and his old team and all the other stuff, but Soldier Boy's trying to Soldier Boy's from like the Vietnam War or whatever. Yeah, war it was. way back when. And he had like a team, kind of like a like an Alpha Justice League. Yep. And his whole team hated him. He was just like kind of a narcissist. He was a pe- he's basically Homelander. Yes, he but was literally before Homelander, Homelander before Homelander, which explains a lot. Because spoiler alert, he ends up being Homelander's father. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, they end up setting up this thing. His whole team essentially has a coup a- along with Vault and Stan Egger, who's like the leader of Vault at the moment. Um, where they essentially send him away to the Russians, that the Russians take him and like try to get rid of him, get rid of Soldier Boy. All these years later, they find him. He is, as far as I know, other than Stormfront, the only other hero that just doesn't age. Um, yes. And maybe that has to do with I don't really know, but for whatever reason, Soldier Boy also just doesn't age. I don't know how long ago he got his powers, but... Yeah. I kind of chalked his up to more of the... They're trying to really play up the Captain America storyline where he was kind of frozen, because yeah. he literally was frozen um, yeah, yeah, yeah. for a while. But yeah, for the most part, he doesn't age. He's gotten to an age where he looks about 40, but... He's not going past that, so we could just say yeah, yeah for to but, not complicate. So at Hero Gasm, yeah, it's Butcher, Soldier Boy, and um, Huey. Huey there because Butcher and Soldier Boy come to a disagreement, and they kind of do it against MM Mother's Milk. He we haven't talked. There's a lot of characters in the show. But he's another member of the boys, and he's really cool character. He has this trauma because when he was Soldier Boy from when he was little killed his grandfather and like ruined his family and all this other shit. One of like the big reasons why MM is part of the boys and wants to get rid of heroes is because it's because of Soldier Boy. Um, so they kind of have the deal. They want to take out Soldier Boy, but Butcher realizing that Soldier Boy is maybe the only person that can kill Homelander goes against MM to team up with Soldier Boy in order to have him kill Homelander. Yeah, and uh, that's what causes like this separation. So yeah, these the the main rift in this season, I think, is Soldier Boy is outrageously powerful and outrageously strong. He has these explosions that happen out of nowhere, like these radiation explosions. And what these do, not only do they kill soups, but they also, if they don't kill you, they take away your powers. So he basically turns you back into a human if you get caught by one of his lasers, um, which is insane. Like, that's just an insane thing to have. You can just turn people back to being human, and then you could just kill them after that if you wanted to, right? So that's one of his abilities is these radiation explosions that it doesn't honestly seem like he can control too well, if we're being completely honest. like No, no. When he tries to do it on command, the few times we've seen him try to do it on command, he has to, like, really focus and charge yeah, it up. And it takes way, long, um, way longer. But when it's, like, a PTSD explosion, it, ha- it tends to happen when he hears Russian music or Russian language. Yeah, just, it like, more things. Like, yeah, it causes this PTSD explosion. And that one is just, like, it just fucking happens. Yes. So, Soldier Boy uh, is essentially a weapon that they want to utilize, the boys want to utilize, to kill Homelander because he's on the same par, is, is what we're led to believe earlier in the season. Is that Soldier Boy, and that's why I made the... The battle between the two when they finally meet, when Soldier Boy and Homelander finally meet, it's like, oh shit, they've been yeah. kind of building this character up for a couple episodes now. That he was when he finally got the Homelander, it was over because throughout the season, 
uh, Soldier Boy's going around killing his old teammates because they betrayed him way back in the day. And yep. he essentially can just zero diff all of his team. Like, they, they can't do shit against him. He's so much yeah, stronger they're than They're all them. fucking terrified of him. Yes. When they hear that he's coming to kill them, they definitely are terrified. And it's because he's and like, mind you, they're terrified of him based on who he was 40, 50 years ago. Right. They don't even necessarily know he has radio because he didn't have radiation explosion powers back in the day. No, he sort of got these powers after being tested on and guinea pig by the Russians for all these years. So they don't even know because he's basically more broken now than he was back then. Yep, and they're already afraid. They don't even know about that. So they're yeah, they're terrified of just who he already was. So like. And we found out there's a good reason for that. Uh, some Black Noir stuff that we'll talk about in a second. So yeah, the premise of Season 3 is Soldier Boy is meant to be a weapon used by the boys to kill Homelander. It's a great plot point, too, because I was always wondering, how the fuck are they ever going to kill Homelander? But this season presents two options. Temporary V, which gives them... They're not on par with him, obviously, but they if enough people jump him, he's dead, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So Temporary V, and then also Soldier Boy, which can do a couple things as well. He can just straight up beat him, is what we're led to believe, and that does not pan out. And the other thing is that if he fires that laser, that radiation laser thing, uh, it'll just strip Homelander of his powers because Homelander got his powers through uh, Compound V. So there's like this whole thing where you're, you know, if I don't, I don't know if people root for Homelander or not. Uh, he, he doesn't give me the root for vibe when I'm watching the show. He's, yeah, he's, he's not Thanos. Yes. He's a great character though. I think that he's the entire show. Like without Homelander. He's like Joffrey. He's more Joffrey than Thanos. Yes. Without without Homelander, the entire show can't even exist. He is literally the entire plot point of yeah. the show for me. And I think for probably everyone, like Homelander is the central point. He is the middle of the show. Everything stems from Homelander. So Well, he's the tension because he is Superman. We know that like if for if he just decides, like he can just and look whatever Yeah, whatever he decides he wants to do, he can do and to drive that point home, Kenny. Uh, in one of the very early episodes of season three, this is what I love. They are blackmailing him again with this fucking plane video, right? And yeah. he's at the point where he's kind of tired of being blackmailed and tired of people trying to say, like, you can't do this, you can't do that. He's been controlled by Stan Edgar, the uh, president of all, and he's sick of it. So he tells them, fucking do it. Release the video. Right. But guess what? After that, then I'll have nothing, nothing to hold me back. And why don't I just fucking, I don't know, wipe out New York off the fucking map. Like he yep. goes crazy. He, he says, listen, I want to be loved, but if I can't be loved, being feared is the next best thing. Yo, that right. speech he gave, I paused my TV and I was like, this guy is nuts. I love him. <laughs> like I fucking love, like again, I don't necessarily root for him, but that like, he gives me the Cersei vibes. Like the shit yeah, yeah, that yeah. Cersei used to say in Game of Thrones, she would just say some really cutthroat shit to people who are trying to on the note of homelander like my my bad for cutting you no no go ahead go ahead i want to hear it but on the on the note of homelander something else that i just thought of and i I wanted to make sure i got it out there so we didn't miss it something i really liked the so mm he ends up getting divorced from his wife he has a kid and he's been trying to keep his kid out of like his shit that he's been dealing with this his hero, his hatred for heroes all this other stuff yeah his wife ends up getting a new boyfriend who's like this white guy todd (laughs) And oh God. it's it's so interesting because Todd is one of those people who are like racist, but not racist, right? Like 
he's got a black girlfriend. He cares. Like, what did I call that? Know, Unconscious bias or something like that? Yeah. Like he care. He, he clearly cares about his black girlfriend and cares about his black stepdaughter. Right. But Homelander basically starts having these Trump rallies. They are he, literally he, Trump rallies, dog. Yeah, I love, yo. He they, starts <laughs> legit having Trump va- rallies. And Todd is like super into it because Homelander has this thing where he's like dumb. He's like, fuck it. He's telling people, yes. he's like, I'm the best. You guys got to stop holding me back. And then everybody's like, this is awful. But then there's a group of people, they say in the Rust Belt of America, that love him for it. And his ratings, his approval ends up going up. One of the people that ends up loving him for it is Todd. And it becomes really weird because Todd is like, like imparting this onto He's co-parenting this young black girl, right? He's co-parenting this young black girl. He's, like you said, he's putting these values that are at the Trump rally onto he's imprinting on this girl yeah yeah and mm's like dude that's my fucking daughter like if you want to go and do this dumb shit you go do it and then they bring up like the fake news stuff because like they know soldier boy is real and he's like ah that's fake news do the research he's like what are they all lying and he's like yes they're all lying to to you todd you're an idiot yeah it's so good they again this show is a commentary on real life a lot of the time so the whole a lot of people you know the fake news thing how people don't believe even when facts just come out and they're so blatantly obvious that they're real or true you just say fake news you know there's a whole group of people who believe that shit's real um which is in itself ironic fake news being real uh you have so you have that and then the commentary on like how trump is once you're once you're an asshole and once you're just unapologetically you and you say whatever you want people actually like you more for it because homelander in season one and season two has been going on the script that was written for him by stan egger in every situation Every time he's interviewed or something, he, you see him kind of gritting his teeth and doing this really awkward smile. I think this actor is phenomenal, by the way. I want to give him his flowers. I do not know his name, so sorry about that. But the actor who plays Homelander, I think, is Emmy nomination worthy. The way he grits his teeth and makes these very uncomfortable faces when he's trying his hardest to not snap. The yeah, way he yeah. does that, the faces on him are amazing. And even when he's being a complete dickhead, And he's like saying something to someone that he knows makes them uncomfortable or feel bad or they don't like, but he's forcing it on them. But he does it with a smile. He's like, why don't you just go ahead and do it, bud? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super awkward. He's really good. Another sort of example of that. Now, this is less so the actor being incredible, more so something I enjoyed about the script is Starlight. There's an episode where the episode starts with Starlight as a child singing, um... Hit Me Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. She's like a pageant kid. Her mom puts her through all this stuff. Pageant kid trying to make her a superhero. It's typical pageant mom bullshit. Really cringy and just like predatory and nasty. Yes. It's disgusting to me that that's still a real thing in real life. Uh, And she's like nine years old and she's singing Hit Me Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. And it's just really, really awkward, right? But they show this thing where like she's in pain as a kid. She doesn't want to do it. And her mom's like forcing her to do it. And then she does this thing where she's like, clenching her fist really hard as a way to like relieve stress or like deal with the pain she's like clenching her fist so then there's a part fast forward at the end of the episode where she's basically forced to be homelander's girlfriend homelander's like forcing her into this position and she's like forced to kiss him and the episode ends with like you see her fist behind her back and her like clenching her fist yeah and i thought thought that was like a cool like touch to everything going on 
Yeah, I, I really, really enjoy all the dynamics between Homelander. There's a lot of awkward moments where uh, they kind of push him into a corner, but he does snap in season three a couple times on one on national TV. And then he has like these press conferences where he just goes off the rails and he just starts talking his shit and people love it. At first, it's kind of awkward. In fact, there was one point where uh, he's with his son, Ryan. Oh, my God. He introduces it- Ryan to people and one of them decides to throw something. And I believe it does hit him. Uh, yeah, that's Ryan. It had to be the dumbest shit you could possibly do. But yes, he was like, he was like, you're a racist. Like he said something like that. Yeah, something and crazy. Throws a, a milkshake. Yes, and it hits Homelander's actual factual son, and Homelander, without even thinking about it, looks at the guy and lasers him in half in front of everyone. Okay, you know what's crazy about this scene is when it first happened. I, I wasn't all the way sure if it was real or not. Because we saw that the boys does in every season is they show Homelander murder people. And then it's not it's real. like, it's not real. It's like what he wants to do. Yes. In fact, that was one of my favorite scenes of season two when he's at that rally and people are disagreeing with him. They don't like him and they start, you know, shouting things at him. And he has, and I thought it was real at first when I, when I was first, cause this is, I think that was one of the <laughs> real first times that that shit happened. But when I first watched the boys, that scene in season two where he lasers the entire crowd and they start dying like that, I yeah, said, like, I said, oh, shit. but they wanted to show us also how powerful he is too. I think that was like a yeah. another just insight on how strong, how quickly he could kill a lot of humans. Mm-hmm. He could mass murder us. It would be so easy. So yeah, season three, this isn't fake though. And and honestly, when I saw this time, like when he lasered the guy straight down, I knew that shit wasn't fake. Yeah, and, yeah. And no, point, I was, I was like taken aback for a second. I was like, I was like, are they going to get me again? I was like, what? I swear to and God, then I was just like, oh shit, this I'm, is real. I'm bro. not just saying this to be a contrarian. What Kenny's saying? I swear to God, when I saw that scene, I looked at that shit and I was like, that was real. And it, and, it, and the show just continued from there. So it was like, okay, that I swear that I, then, I knew because I was like, yo, there's but no the way whole he that crowd slide. was like quiet and oh, awkward, and then terrified. fucking Todd, Todd goes, yeah, and he starts like cheering. And it's like the whole crowd starts cheering, but so one of the things that I like about season three, another uh, plot point of season three, and this is scary as fuck. If you live in this world, as the show goes on, the shackles, the things that used to hold Homelander back are no longer there. He's finding out, and this is so bad for everyone. He's finding out that being his true self is completely acceptable to some people. Yep. They've been threatening him for seasons. It's acceptable to enough people where, like, it'll offset the people yes. that. So the rhetoric that Stormfront was spouting in season two is true, and he he kind of told her, "I don't need you. I don't need your advice. Uh, that's not how we do things around here." You know, like everything that she was trying to instill in him actually ends up coming true in season three, even after she dies in season three early on. Um, but yeah, it, it ends up coming true. All the shit that she was saying is real. So he ends up with a new fan base and he's allowed to be unapologetically himself, which plays into, so Stan Edgar, the president of Vault, gets overthrown by his daughter who actually ends up being Victoria Newman as a whole storyline with that too. Uh, but yes, St- Stan gets kicked out of Vault, So he's no longer the president and Homelander takes the helm. He is now the leading man in Vault. He's guiding them and making them do everything that he wants them to do and the, the direction that he feels. He's like, why the fuck would we ever let humans run us anyway? That never made sense. Like, we're, yeah. we're at the top of the food chain. It never made sense for someone like Stan Egger to be controlling us in the first What's place. What's tip, though, is that Stan, Stan, like, tells him, like, you're gonna, 
you're going to realize real soon this shit ain't easy as easy as you think. Yeah. And his actor, I don't remember his name, but he is an incredible actor. Oh, yeah. Guy that plays Stan Edgar. He's in Breaking Bad, probably the best character in Breaking Bad. Yep. Um, he's also in Far Cry 6, I think, the video game. And, and he's, he's in Star Wars. He's, uh, he's in yeah. one of the... He's in one of the, what is it called? The Mandalorian. I think he plays a part of Mandalorian at one point. He's an evil. And everything he's in, he's always a villain type of character or like a he, anti-hero kind of vibe. Well. Yeah, he he's amazing he's at that. So good. I love his actor, but this is another one of those things where it feels contrived. I love everything about him. He feels so smart. I feel like there's got to be something more that we don't know about him because he does have this sort of weight over Homelander that just simply doesn't make sense to me. Like, I get he's really smart. Maybe he knows things. But at the end of the fucking day... He's a human. As far as I know, he's a human. Yeah, I and think the like, same thing. And so he, when I was alluding to that earlier in the podcast about how people get away from Homelander in these ways that they have died for less. Stan has said some things to Homelander's face. There was one of the most amazing scenes, I think it was season two, where Stan tells him, I'm, I'm black. I don't have the fucking privilege you have to cry like a big ass fucking baby and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and have the world and have the world cater to me at my every beck and call. You know, I'm not a white male with white privilege. Like he just goes off on him. He lets him have it. And it, when, when he said that, I was like, damn, that was an amazing speech, but yeah, I was also, but I was also afraid that Homelander was going to snap his fucking head off. So like, yeah, in the same vein that, Edgar is super smart and everything. I do feel like he must have something going on because no, no harm, even when he's kicked out of vault. And I was like, Oh God, this is a perfect opportunity to kill him. No harm comes to him ever. Yeah. No, like I feel like there's gotta be something more than, for example, the airplane tape. Cause even before the airplane. Incident, oh yeah. They, they kind of show that this guy, Stan has some leverage over Homelander. He's never and afraid of him ever. He's not even a little bit And when afraid. people are, are afraid of him, he tells them he's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. So it's, I, I just really want to know if, if by the time the boys ends, right? I don't, it doesn't matter that I don't know now, but I would like whenever it ends, I would, I really hope it gets fully fleshed out as to what Stan has o had over Homelander. Because there's so many instances where it's like, it doesn't make sense to me that Homelander hasn't just killed him. Yeah. I like, I like that about the show too. Uh, Homelander, even if he doesn't kill him himself, I thought, okay, Homelander doesn't have to kill you. He could just have someone else kill you. Like, we've seen people get assassinated by Black Noir under Homelander's orders all the time. That's like a common thing. Black Noir is Homelander's... Ba basically, everything that Homelander can't do, he sends Black Noir to do. Yeah, Black Noir is... And this is uh, something really cool. I don't know if you got a chance. Did you watch the Diabolical thing? I did thing? not. So, I won't go too much into it, but there is like an in-between season two and three thing... It's an animated show. The episodes are only 14 minutes. There's eight episodes. It's called The Boys Diabolical. And each episode is just like a different different things that are happening to help flesh out the world of the boys a bit more. One of the episodes is like it shows a bunch of um, kids that are like essentially in an orphanage. Uh, and they're kids that their parents gave them compound view when they were little, hoping they get rich, hoping their kids become superheroes. But whatever power they got wasn't like didn't suffice, didn't really do anything, didn't do enough for them, so they kind of just get abandoned, right? Oh, shit. And so then, these kids get abandoned at this orphanage, and essentially the premise of the, of the episode is that, like, they end up banding together and going after and trying to find all of their parents that abandoned them and, like, killing them. Um, there's an episode where it shows Homelander when he first joins the Seven, and it shows that Lady Stillwell 
and her telling him that like there's nothing Black Noir can teach you, like don't worry about Black Noir. And there's like this really interesting stuff that happens between Homelander and Black Noir, and it kind of shows the beginning of their relationship. Yeah, which I thought was really cool going into this season, seeing Homelander and Black Noir's relationship in this season. After seeing that episode in Diabolical, it it just really helped with the dynamic between those two characters. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I might watch it at some point. Um, But yeah, Black Noir is like Homelander's right-hand man. And earlier in the season, when he hears about Soldier Boy's back, he, you know, Homelander's like, yo, go get him, bud. Like, I know know you will never abandon me. I know you got my back. And uh, Black Noir goes into an elevator. He slices from his wrist his tracker, and he abandons the Seven. He completely leaves the Seven, and he's like, fuck that shit. And we don't understand at the time why he's so afraid of Soldier Boy, but then it gets revealed later on that when they planned this coup against Soldier Boy a long, long time ago, Black Noir, who was in the original group, got his ass beat by Soldier Boy so bad to the point where a part of his brain actually came out. And despite the fact that he's still alive... Literally his brain cell. Yeah, his brain actually comes out, a part of it. And uh, so that is part of the reason why Black Noir is the way he's a mute, like he never speaks. And even before that, they fought before they show like through these cartoon flashbacks. Yeah. There was a time where Black Noir, he was supposed to be in like Beverly Hills Cop or something like that. Yeah. He's supposed <laughs> to be like an actor. Cause like all the superheroes get acting roles and all this other shit. Yeah. He's supposed to be, I think it was Beverly Hills Cop. That's exactly and what it was. Soldier Boy made it so that he didn't get that acting role. And Black Noir was like, come on, man. Like, why'd you do that? And then Soldier Boy just beats the fucking shit out of him. Yes. And it's, it shows as an example of how abusive this guy was as a team leader. He would just beat the balls off of the other members of his team. He was really abusive to just everybody. And yeah. Just, to the point where Basically Homelander. Yeah, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So Soldier Boy and Homelander are akin. And yeah, so that's a big plot point with Black Noir. Uh, he leaves early in the season. And later in the season, he comes back. And Homelander is a different person now. You know, he's been energized by his fan base. He has a new motive, a new outlook on life. And he just kills Black Noir. Uh, yeah, he finds out because yeah, he finds out that Soldier Boy is his dad. Yep. And then he, he asks Black Noir straight up. He's like, listen, everybody thinks you're so mysterious. They can't because you don't say anything. They can't see your face. He was like, but, you know, I can see you. I can see your face. I can tell when you're lying. I can tell when you're happy. He's like, I can see, because, you know, he has x-ray vision like Superman. Um, and he was like, so I'm going to ask you honestly, did you know Soldier Boy was my dad? And, like, Black Noir says yes, and then... Yeah, he kills him. That's another cool thing. Uh, Homelander's abilities extend to the point where he can literally see your heartbeat and, I guess, hear it as well. So he can tell if you're lying. He's a walking lie detector test, which is an ability that the actual Superman does have. It's a really insane ability. But yeah, being a, a lie detector for any anyone is absurd. You can't lie to this man. And he can also hear from very, very far away. So there's times when people will have conversations in the conference room and they'll be like, yo, you know he can either hear us or be listening to us right now. And then Edgar will be like, they, I want him to hear me. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I want him to hear me. Or then they'll have like uh they'll put music on, they'll try to put music on really loud and whisper to try to make something. Yeah, like it's funny because there are moments in the show where Homelander is blatantly listening too. Like they'll show yeah. him in his room and he'll have his ear up against the fucking wall. They're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm I'm listening. <laughs> he's so <laughs> he's such a kid at times. Like it's such a childish thing that he's doing. He's like, I'm fucking listening. What do you mean? Like he's outside the door listening and shit. It's great. But yeah, so uh season three culminates to this big fight between Soldier Boy 
and Homelander. The whole season they've been traveling to get, so they're trying to take Weapon A and bring him to Homelander to beat Homelander. And they finally meet at Herogasm. And like you said, it was hype. They start fighting. And at first I'm like, oh shit, Homelander actually like has a match because it starts off bad. Like my man gets Homelander up against the fucking wall. He's choking him at one point. Like he's getting, he's getting the best it, of him. It looks he's definitely like. a better fighter. Yes. We, we soon find out he's not a, he, Homelander is stronger. Yeah. But Soldier Boy does seem to be the better fighter. Yeah. Ho, uh, um, he can definitely fight. He can definitely, he can definitely fight. Soldier Boy can fight. But at the end of the day, uh, so Homelander's just stronger, right? Like Homelander yeah, is yeah, definitely yeah. stronger. So he starts to get the upper hand and something that happened a little earlier was Homelander and, and Butcher come face to face again. This time, conveniently, Homelander decides, fuck it, I'll just kill you now. So he, I think he lasers Butcher, right? Which if Butcher was human at this time, it would have just straight up killed him. Finally, it would have finally put a, an end to this long back and forth. These two have had where Butcher just keeps getting saved by people. That shit would have finally come to an end, but he's on temporary V and Homer doesn't know about it. So as he's uh, finally getting the upper hand on uh soldier boy, Butcher comes out of nowhere and hits Homelander from behind and he turns around surprised like what the fuck did you do as in saying what did you do to be one you survived my laser but two you just hit me and I felt it right like he's like what the fuck did you just do like what did you do so there's an amazing moment after this fight several episodes after this fight or maybe not but when he goes to see Maeve aka Wonder Woman and she goes, do you have concealer on? Are you bruised? It's like, <laughs> yeah, she can't like he's injured. And it's like, it's this crazy moment. Cause he tries his best. Homelander. He tries his best to ignore it. Like that's one of the things I love about Homelander. When people do have him by the balls a little bit, or they're making fun of him in some kind of way, he just straight up keeps talking over it. Like he'll, <laughs> he like completely, when Maeve is taunting him, he completely walks around that. He doesn't mm-hmm. even, he tries to not acknowledge it. I, I think that's one of the greatest things about his character. It's like anything he doesn't like, he just won't acknowledge. Uh, so yeah, they start fighting. And so now it's a 2v1. It's Butcher and Soldier Boy versus Homelander. And he's handling himself very well. Don't get me wrong. Homelander's definitely handling, but they start to get the best of him. And it gets to a point where Huey gets involved too. I think all of them are holding, they get to a point where they're holding Homelander down on the ground and they're like, do it. And Soldier Boy starts charging up one of those radiation lasers that removes people's powers. And it's really tense. Homelander is fighting hard as fuck to get up because the, the three of them are literally on top of him. And eventually, before the laser can fire, he bursts out of the place, flies through the ceiling and leaves and escapes without yeah. anything bad happening to him, except that one little bruise. Uh, there was another part where Butcher and him get into a laser beam struggle with their eyes. And that was really cool. Cause again, Homelander had no idea that Butcher even had powers now. Uh, so that was really just, you know, for him, it was like, what the fuck is happening? But you, you realize the temporary V soldier boy, all of these things, they're not enough to really beat Homelander one v one. They they knew they do need to jump him, and I think that yeah. there was one point where uh, he said, "Who the who are you?" And he said, "I'm the upgrade." Like Homelander says to yeah, Soldier yeah, Boy, yeah. "I'm the upgrade." I thought that was such a sick line when he's choking. Like he's choking Homelander, I think at the time, and he's like, "Who the fuck are you?" And he's like, "I'm the upgrade." Mm-hmm. So, well, I think yeah, I think he says, I think Soldier Boy calls him a cheap imitation. Or yeah, something yeah, like that. yeah, I think he, he does. Says, say, yeah. He says, no, I'm the upgrade. Like, yeah. Something like that. And then he yeah, starts fucking him up. He starts fucking Soldier yeah. Boy up. It's really good. But it's the whole season, they know that they have to jump in. There's a part yeah. where it's not a Starlight secret. 
is like trying to collect a bunch of heroes to like form this little thing. And she has like this old friend. He's a uh, this Mexican hero that ends up becoming part of the Seven. And everybody's real blatantly, <laughs> passively racist to him. They're like, "Hey, muchacho!" And like, we're His having name taco is Super day. Sonic. Super and, Sonic. Yeah, it's, yeah, just it's so like, bad. They definitely do and, go straight racist immediately. And there's a part where taco. they're, <laughs> taco they're building up. They're building up this little team to jump Homelander. Homelander finds out about it. From train you see this guy mutilate, mutilated on a roof, just completely murdered. Also, you know, the, the Boys is a parody, a satire of a lot of things in real life, not just superhero movies. But his music was so disgusting and cringy and also realistic. <laughs> like, his one song, it's about, he he's like, it's about him falling in love with this girl or, like, getting horny for this girl. It's like, oh, girl, you finally got your license. License to drive me crazy. But it's like, it's clear that it's like she just got old enough to get her license, and then he says like license to drive me crazy. Yeah. It's like you got your license to drive, license to drive me. It is so creepy. And but crime. also just like realistic. Like those are like real songs. Yeah, like, R. Kelly type shit. Age enough about R. Number. Kelly type you know the vibes. Shit. Like it's so uh So yeah, that uh there's another scene that you now you brought up that there's another scene because Homelander likes to do these things. There's always these roof scenes with Homelander. And I think that they use the roof as a as a way to say regular people are not privy to what's happening on a roof because how like I can't see my roof right now and there's actually no way for me to ever see my roof for the most part right so going on yeah so anything that happens on a roof and the boys is kind of hidden from the public's eye so there's this one part where this girl is about to commit suicide and she's gonna jump you know she's giving up on life and everyone on the ground level is trying to talk her down so I forget what happens but Homelander ends up coming. And he, he goes to save her because it's his birthday and he it, it's going to be like his birthday save. He's going to save her. It's his birthday. And he's like, congratulations. Like, this is my annual birthday save. I'm going to save you. Yeah. So when he arrives on the scene, though, he's having a bad day. And well, yeah, do you remember what happens? Go ahead. So Stormfront, who at this point was still alive, he Homelander's really weird in some ways. Like, for example, at the end of season two, after he's dealt with all this shit, season two ends with him jerking off on a roof. Yes, and it's like one of those things. It's just so weird because, like, Homelander as powerful he as he is, he just has like these weird weaknesses that are just all psychological. And like, he's like he wants to like stick it to the man, so he's jerking off on the roof. Yeah, so he's anyway. also a lab rat too. That's a part of his character that he was raised like his son is being raised right now in an actual compound with yeah. no human interaction outside of the scientists who are working on him. So it's he had a weird upbringing. So he's a fucking weird ass adult. But go ahead. Exactly. So. Stormfront, uh, it's on his birthday, he goes to see Stormfront, and I think, like, a couple days before he goes to see her, this is when we reveal that she's, like, still alive, and she's, like, crippled in the hospital, but as he's talking to her, he just pulls down his pants and, like, puts his dick in her hand, and, like, she's, like, crippled, mutilated, burn victim on the, and she, like, jerks him off while she's in a hospital bed, and And it seems to be a normal thing that they do, like, it's not... Yeah, and so he goes to her on his birthday... And he's like asking for something a little more, but she's like unconscious or sleeping or something at the time. So he leaves. So anyway, she ends up committing suicide on his birthday and it gets reported on the news. Um, So as he's about to save this girl from committing suicide, the news comes out that Stormfront committed committed suicide. And then he's like, there's no way she would do this. She wouldn't do this on my birthday. And so he ends up kind of breaking and not caring. And he turns to the girl and he's like. He starts kind of showing his true colors to this yes. girl that's about to die. Like, anyway. I don't give a fuck about what you do. And he tells her, 
jump. And yep. at first the girl's kind of scared. She's like, I don't want to do it anymore. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to commit suicide anymore. And he looks at her indifferently and tells her to jump. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he's dead fucking serious. And then the camera goes back to the ground level and this girl falls to her death. Yep. It's disgusting. And, and no one knows because it's on a roof. Well, no, no, Stormfront after she dies. This is something the show does that I think is really weird. Not weird as in it's un- not realistic. Weird as in, I don't understand why it's realistic, because this happens in real life too, and it's something I don't get. For some reason, there's a group of Americans that are extremely patriotic, and I personally don't have anything against patriotism. What I, what I do have something against, though, is there's this group of Americans in real life, and they get shown in the boys, that are so patriotic that they're also Nazis. And I don't understand that, because America fought the Nazis. Yeah. So they're like these super patriotic for Homelander type of people. And as we know from season two, Homelander's not a Nazi, although he was in love with this Nazi or had a fling with this Nazi. He himself isn't a Nazi or has those ideals somewhere in him. He has like those quote unquote American ideals, but there's a bunch of people that they get called the storm chasers. (laughs) And they like are, they're pushing forward Stormfront's ideals and these kind of Nazi ideals while also being super patriotic and pro America. And this happens in real life, too, and I don't it's understand it. It's like people it. who love the Confederate flag, even though the Confederate flag is a sign of treason. Yeah, like, I, I don't get that shit. Like, we fought against those people. Yeah, we they fought lost. against like, those the, the Confederacy like, fucking lost. Haha, so I'm free, weird, I'm making a podcast, like, I'm able to do this because you guys fucking yeah, lost, like, like I, get over it. I don't get, like, there's a group of people that consider themselves super American, super patriotic, but they're also, like, they have the Nazi flag and the Confederate flag, and it's like, I don't, why? Like, how does yeah, that, I don't that, see how those ideals can Like, mix. how'd you go so far right that you ended up in some place that just shouldn't even exist? Yeah, it's so weird, but they bring that into the show The Boys, and I think it's really weird there, because there's these people that love Homelander and love America, but then they're also Nazis. But it's, it's not unrealistic, because there's people like that in real life, and it's just so weird to me, even in real life. Yeah. It's funny, uh, somebody said, like, the Confederacy was very, it's such a, a blip in history, it's not even, it didn't exist that long. They said that, like, Barack Obama was president longer than the Confederacy even existed. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, you guys are straight up idiots. Like, you got, like, anyone yeah. who likes the Confederacy or a Confederate flag or anything like that, like, oh, it's history. Like, well, it's a very fucking small part of history. And yeah, yeah. honestly you guys are pretty insignificant. Like there is no world where you, one, you're losers, right? Like you're just straight up fucking losers. You lost the fight. You lost the war. Right. And, and it's not even like you were the good guys and lost. Yeah. Like you, you were the bad guys. Yes. Like you were literally the bad guys. Just to be clear, the people that were for slavery are the ones that lost. So it's just an interesting thing. But like you said, the show, uh, does make a mockery or a commentary on those people who are so far, in that direction. I don't even know what direction. I don't, I don't, I don't want to blame that on the right, I don't even, I don't even think... I was going to say, it's not even... Even though they those people tend to be right Yes. I don't think it's fair to call it a right-wing idea. It's so it's far not. in some other direction that it's its its own thing. It's the South, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's the South. <laughs> it's the fucking South. They're so far South. Sorry for the yeah, people yeah. who live in the South, but the Confederacy is where that shit sprang up, and yes. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, so... They finally fight. Homelander escapes. He's damaged, but definitely nothing serious. Literally, after everything that happened to him, and mind you, he got they, they got a, a lot of licks on him. He just has a bruise on his face. 
Uh, he's pissed. The episode where that happens, when he's back in his office and he's staring out the window, and they show that scene a lot where he's just kind of like looking out into the world and thinking, and there's like that painting next to him um, that he looks over yeah. to every once in a while. Uh, he's standing there and he is furious. You can tell he's thinking about how he's going to murder them the next time he comes across them. But the big point of contention is that he has this son now, and a son, because Soldier Boy is Homelander's father, Ryan is his grandson. So the culmination of the whole season, episode eight, is Butcher and Soldier Boy again running into Homelander. And they're trying to kill him. And Maeve's there. And Maeve and Homelander get into a fight. And the whole time, Homelander's like, listen, I ain't got time. Maeve, stop. Stop. Yeah, and he's yeah, putting yeah, his hands yeah. out. And she's sucker punching him. And hitting him. And kicking him. And doing all this crazy shit. And he's trying his hardest. He is trying his absolute hardest. He's like, yeah. like Maeve, I'm like, you know, there's a, chill. There's a part where they, like, they start actually... Like, there's a part where he starts actually fighting back. But even when he's actually fighting back... It feels like he's still not going. 100%. You know he's holding back because they one they had an yeah. affair, so he has a little soft spot for her. No matter yeah, how yeah. small it may be now, he still has a spot, right? He didn't kill her when he could have. He just imprisoned yep. her. So he's trying as hard as not to fuck her up, and it gets to a point where he just starts fucking her up. And after that shit was hilarious, not because he's beating on a woman, but just the fact that you can push people to a certain point, but at the end of the day, keep your goddamn hands to yourself. I don't give a fuck if you're a man, woman, or child. Keep your hands to yourself act up you can get smacked up so homelander after taking a bunch of punches and a bunch of licks he decides to fight back he fucks her up bad i mean at one point he gouges her absolute eye out i thought that was crazy i didn't see that coming but yeah he gouges mave's eye out and he gets back to business he goes back to uh soldier boy and butchering everything and i think where it, get, it goes south is homelander tries to tell soldier boy like look you're my father and I know that you hate everything, but here's something to live for. This is a legacy. We have a, we have a, you have a, you have a grandson. Like this is something that you can live for. This is something to, that gives gives hope. Soldier Boy always he says it multiple times. He always wanted a family. He always wanted a son. He like dreamed about it. And up until this point, we don't really know what's going to happen when Soldier Boy gets there because we know that Soldier Boy had a deal with Butcher to kill Homelander. Yeah. But then we also know that Soldier Boy finds out that Homelander's his son. And he he is really conflicted the episodes leading up to this. So we don't know, leading up to this, what Soldier Boy's going to do. We don't know if he's going to fight Homelander or if he's going to decide, you know what, like, you're my son and take his side. And it really is tense because you don't know what directions it's going to go. Yeah. So when they do end up getting to the point where they explain to him, like, look, you have a grandson... You think maybe that'll stop Soldier Boy from this whole, you know, mission he's on. But no, he actually starts to attack Homelander and Ryan at the same time. Like, Ryan's kind of more collateral, if anything. Yeah, yeah. But he starts to attack, and Butcher has to stop him. Like, yo, not the kid. And mm -hmm. Soldier Boy throws Butcher off, and he goes back at it. Like, no, I'm killing them both. I don't give a fuck. And so at this point, Homelander and Butcher give each other the eye. Like, all right, I, you know, I want to kill you. I've been trying to kill you for a long time. It You've been trying to kill it's me. It's kind of cool. It's one of those moments that are cool where it's like, at the unlike the unlikely team up is always yes. cool. So those two team up to fuck Soldier Boy up because he's on some nonsense about to kill kids and shit. And I guess both of them are just like, all right, under these specific circumstances, this is not okay. So I do think it's weird. It's one of those situations. Like, I get, I don't know because. We see Soldier Boy is very like 
There is no such thing as collateral damage. Whatever the mission is, is the mission. Yep. We see that in some previous instances with him traveling with Butcher and Huey. But him also wanting a family, I truly do think it's a little weird that he would so freely kill his grandson. Yeah, it, I think even he would want to like save the grandson and then raise the grandson himself. You know right, what I mean? The like, way kill he Homelander, wants. but raise the grandson. Like, I yeah, I thought yeah. that it was a little forced. And honestly, the last episode seemed a bit rushed to me. Everything that happens in it, it, that whole fight sequence and everything after that. So they end up getting to the fight. Butcher and Homelander team up against Soldier Boy. And then Maeve comes out of nowhere because Soldier Boy is about to explode with the radiation to kill everybody. Maeve tackles him out the building. They explode together in midair. And I mean, the explosion is gigantic. So I thought, oh, God. Well, Maeve's dead now. They already killed Black yeah, I Noir. Thought Maeve was dead. I thought Maeve was dead. Here's where it starts to get a little like weird to me, but for some reason, she's just not dead at all. And, and she, she loses her powers. But like but she's just not dead. Die. And I was like, that doesn't that just doesn't make sense. But like I just have to accept it. But I think that that was one of those things where I think Maeve should have died there. I think it would have meant something if she died there. Uh yeah. but for whatever reason, she's alive. She's a human now. She's one-eyed. Because if you because as we know, the laser that Homelander, not Homelander, Soldier Boy does, takes your powers away. That was a fucking nuke explosion that and he it did does, in It does it immediately, by the way. Yeah, it takes your powers away. So, she also still fell from a building. That's my thing. They should not have had her falling from 30,000 feet in the air. You know, not literally, but like, really high up to where no human could survive. It was a bit much for me, and I was like, uh, I don't know if she would actually have survived that, because her powers would have been going long before she hit the ground. I mean, when Kimiko got hit by the laser, they checked on Power her. For, yeah, they yeah. checked on Kimiko immediately after she got lasered yeah. and Soldier Boy left, and she already wasn't healing. So her powers, her powers were gone. So, like, I do. Th- Maeve should have died. And honestly, like, obviously, I don't know what's going to happen in season four, but I just can't imagine her character is that integral to whatever the plot's going to be. That's that she my needs thing. to be alive. I just feel like, like she doesn't need to be alive anymore anyway. I feel like she did what she had to do. She finally fought Homelander, right? This is something that they've been egging on for a long time. He's been antagonizing her. Yo, Homelander outed Maeve as a lesbian on national TV. Yeah, and made her life hell for it. Like, Yeah, he at first, Maeve was closeted. And, you know, she was pretending like she was heterosexual and she has this whole girlfriend that she's in a lesbian relationship with and she's been keeping it secret. And the girlfriend obviously doesn't want to be a secret, but maybe it's like, I have to do it or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's 2022 and she really didn't have to, but she was doing it anyway because it's just her own insecurities. And that's something that, you know, that's a topic for another day, but like, don't out people, right? Like, don't out someone. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just fucking disgusting. Homelander gets challenged on national TV about diversity within the seven because everybody's white. Almost. Yeah. And he's like, well, we have A-Train. And at the time, A-Train, he just kicked A-Train out. Like, he literally just kicked A-Train out the the 7. So, the 7 is all white. So, he's like, we have A-Train, which is a lie. And then he says, and and Black Noir, he's he's nothing. He's everything and nothing. He doesn't identify as any particular thing. Uh, Which, I... Correct me if I'm wrong. It wasn't until season he's three that we black. get confirmation that Black Noir is a black guy. He's just blatantly black. When they showed him without his mask on, that one scene, and then it's funny because, well, not funny, but his face gets blown up or something, and it causes him to have to wear that. He's disfigured. So he has mm-hmm. to wear that mask because he wanted to be a movie star, and you need a pretty nice face to be a movie star, especially back in the day. Uh, so he takes his mask, they tell him, keep the mask on. He takes it off, and his face ends up getting fucked up, so now he has to wear the mask. So that's like a whole irony with that thing, right? But... Yeah, so Homelander's like, yeah, we got A-Train, he's our token black guy, and we got Black Noir, who doesn't identify as anything, he's covered all from head to toe, he's black, theoretically, and, you know, he's lying, and then he's like, oh, we also have a lesbian, 
and he yeah, points to Maeve and she's she has to go with it, right? You know, one is true, but two is like, holy shit, you just outed me to the world, which is fucked up, but it doesn't anyway. And, and three, she can't publicly disagree with Homelander because she might die. Yes. And so after that happens, then he starts forcing all of these like narratives on her. You're gonna yeah, he does this a couple times too. He does it with Starlight where he forces her to be his love interest in season three, like despite the fact that she has a full-on boyfriend with Huey. Um, he forces her into this weird fake romance and, uh, it's it, the whole thing that like he forces her to do a kiss and he makes her do it over and over again until she gets it right the way he wants it to be. And it, yeah, it's, it's very uncomfortable stuff, but he does all of these heinous things throughout the show. A lot of it does make you uncomfortable as a viewer and it makes the characters in the show uncomfortable because you realize there's nothing they can do. And even Starlight, there's moments where she balls her fist up. There's moments where she cries. Yeah. Um, she's just really like, you really, you can't do anything. This guy is so much stronger than you that even if you powered up, you know, like even if she, they turn on all the lights in the world and she absorbed the energy is still like, he could just kill you. Right. There's a part that I thought it's weird. I don't know if I feel it's realistic or unrealistic. There's a part where N- Victoria Newman, the head popper, the, the, the Congresswoman, yep. uh, who pops heads, she has a daughter and she's scared of Homelander and all this other stuff. So, and anyway, there's a part where she ends up making a deal and she gets some compound V that she's going to give to her daughter and her daughter's scared. She doesn't want it. She's like, they gave it to me when I was little and I'm fine. And it's, this is going to protect you. The way I read this scene is that she wants to give her daughter compound V in order that she has superpowers so that she could potentially protect herself from Homelander. And what's weird to me though, is that compound V has a not small chance of having very bad side effects. Yeah. And especially if you're not you're take- a baby. Yeah. So you're taking a huge risk just giving it to your daughter anyway. But then on top of that, even if your daughter was a super, a, a super, there's not a single super on the planet ever that can, that is safe from Homelander anyway. And so the, like, that's not going to protect her anyway. And the crazy thing is, so this girl, Victoria Newman, who has this head exploding ability, clearly it's not enough to be Homelander, right? So yeah, there's even a part where he says, do you want to try it? He's like, looking at her and he was like try to pop my head he was like i don't know if it'll work but try and they're like that part scared me because to me that tells me that he already knows this bitch has tried it once and it did not work (laughs) because i think that he's smart to say to himself if you could kill me i think you would have already because you could do it remote like Mm -hmm. she could do it in a zero confrontational way where even if it failed there's no consequence because how would you even know right yeah yeah so to me when he said that it's kind of of the mindset, and this is the cool thing about Homelander. He's in, he's incredibly intelligent. Obviously, he's also dumb in some areas. When they there's this whole part about Ibra, and he does not pronounce that word correctly at all. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's very naive or foolish, but he's very intelligent. Like, yeah, he has it, a super smart brain. When they start talking about the numbers and how the company's doing bad from an Ibra standpoint, Ibra for people who are not in the accounting world stands for earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. That's what Ibra stands for. It is the most important number in the business world for anybody who has a business. Your Ibra is basically how well your company is doing, and he does not pronounce that word right <laughs> at all. He doesn't say Ibra. I think he says like the Ibra or something crazy yeah. <laughs> like that, the way he says that shit, and I was dying. He gets so offended, dude. Oh, that He's shit was like, so funny. Are you trying to undermine me? Yes, like, he, he gets, gets so st- mad when they correct him about it. He gets so pissed, and he threatens people's lives and everything. He's he's like a kid. Like He's like a kid that you know you're really powerful, you know you can kill everyone, so whenever, the time, whenever the time somebody challenges you on anything, no matter how trivial, you just lash out. 
Yeah. He's he's like Joffrey. Yeah, he is really, yes. Yes. You you likened him to Joffrey earlier. And in a way, I didn't really see it earlier, but now that we're talking about that scene with the Ebita thing. I'm like, yeah, that because Joffrey's king, and Joffrey was just like, well, if you correct me, I'll kill you, right? Like, if you say yeah, anything, yeah. if you say anything, even if it's for my benefit, I'll just kill you. Which is such a ridiculous, childish way to behave, especially for someone who's the king. Homelander's the king, so I completely see the the through line between those two. Yeah, I get it. But yes, that's season three in a nutshell. Like, there's a obviously a lot of other things that happen. Yeah, there's Kimiko, so much. Like- there's Keep so many characters Frenchy. and like yeah look we didn't talk about Frenchie at all and just by the he's my favorite character in the whole show i like Frenchie, aka like serge sergio mm i think the, so my favorite character is Frenchie, and my second favorite character is mm mother's milk marvin uh he's the fucking man also i like that he has those t-shirts all, oh you were gonna, I, okay i was just about to say i want all of his t-shirts <laughs> i want his dmx shirt his um nwa shirt his tupac shirt his snoop dogg shirt he's got like some nice ass graphic tees that like with the print dude yeah all of his like 90s rap shirts are the fucking shit he like, has I a collection of, of fire ass vintage t-shirts so yeah the show is phenomenal there's so many characters and honestly there's a lot of other storylines that are we could cover them in another podcast, which we will come back to the boys. One, because there's going to be a season four. And two, yeah. I think that if it ever gets to a point where Kenny and I need a random topic for another time. Because there's still so much we didn't talk about. There's so many characters and things. Like, we can talk, because we talked, we did an overview of season one and two, and we talked uh, like more in depth of certain things in season three. But like, we could just do another episode and we talk about seasons one, two, and three again, but we talk about Frenchie and Mother's Milk more because like we didn't really talk about them at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of characters in the show and there's a lot of uh, other little subplots that are happening and have happened. Like the one of the coolest ones I thought is just how A-Train kills someone in episode one, season one. And yeah. he doesn't really care about it, but then it literally happens to him with his brother. You know, his brother doesn't get killed, but he becomes crippled. And he gets the taste of his own medicine, essentially, you know? So yeah. like, stuff also, like that. another cool scene, how we were saying the Captain America versus Superman thing was really fucking cool. Dog. When A-Train grabbed Blue Hawk by the leg and fucking super speed oh. runs and just rips his body apart oh. by dragging him super speed. When I saw that, I was like, this is the shit. Now, I know Flash is a hero and he would never do this, but like flash is broken people like he could fuck people like the way he dragged this man thousands of miles i just like live for that that part i live for that shit that was so good i live for that 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 part was fire uh okay so to wrap up this episode, as always, I want to give a shout out to everyone on our Patreon, everyone who's been supporting the I'm There podcast. We have exclusive content that drops only on our Patreon. Uh, so check that out if you're looking for us. I'm there podcast on Patreon.com. Uh, and we also will be recording the July episode next week, I assume, because we are running out of, yeah, we're running out of time. So it will be next week. We'll record our exclusive episode for the month of July. Uh, but yes, so for people who are supporting us on Patreon, we have Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Xavier, Hylian, TCG Automotive, Silver Connie, Tyree Tinsley, Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Brissett, Vinny Casello, Giovanni Avalos, Alex Flamer, Andre Reynolds, CJ, WK Dad One, Dennis Milburn, Joseph Marcello, Red Vines, First to Home, Dalis Verneris, S. Akuma, Mitchell Niles, Midwest Gaming, William Shapiro, Demetrius Fierdis, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, KJ, Biz, Roz Weiss, Nick Stango, and Scott Player. Thank you guys so much 
for supporting on their podcast. Thank we really you. appreciate it. As we always say, it goes a long way. And without further ado, as I always say, do what makes you happy, including watching the boys. I have a couple things. You know, I have side things I usually say. The one I came up with today, I decided I'm not going to say it because it's it's too far. I'm not going to say <laughs> Too far for you is scary. I'm just, I decided, you know what? It was relevant to the boys and relevant to what Fraser said. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to say it. All right. Well, with that being said, have a good one. Thank you.